play? Do you give yourself permission to play? How regular is that time? Listen to this. This is Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let's be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. His work has been finished since the creation of the world. (laughs) So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So listen to this. This is Hebrews 4.11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience, meaning the Israelites. Let's make every effort (laughs) to rest. Isn't that funny? He's saying you have to be intentional that rest doesn't just happen. We have to actually pursue it. And here's what Sabbath does. Sabbath rest reminds us who we are. It's meant to fortify us for times of trouble and nourish us in times of depletion. Sabbath and rest create space for listening to our bodies and to Jesus. Sabbath is good stewardship of our body, mind, and spirit. It keeps us from drifting away. It's a way we honor our limits and notice our needs for restoration and recreation. So, rest. Rest. As you rest, reflect. Sometimes a reflection or assessment can sink into comparison. This is where I should be, and this is where I'm not, right? I should be further along. I I know even this whole Sabbath stuff. I I know that I need to rest, and yet I haven't been. And so a lot of times reflection turns into assessment, turns into guilt and shame. So can can we avoid that detour and just simply reflect with the Lord? What is true? What is good? Can you put that next slide up? What is life-giving? What contributes to a deepening relationship with Christ and his people? What's out of alignment? What consistently pulls me away from the reality of Jesus in my life? Can we take stock of our desires and our limits in our times of closest connection with God? So take a couple minutes with those questions in reflecting on your life at this particular place, in this particular time, in this particular season, what's true? What is good? And is my life in alignment with what is true and good? Is my life pointed in the trajectory toward Jesus or away?
how helpful it is just to press pause on life, to stop, and actually to press rewind, to go back and reflect. Where have I been? What's been going on? What, what's been my motivation? What's been driving me? Am, am I aware of the power and the presence of Jesus in my life? And then, to come back to the present, and come to God with open hands and just ask him, would you reset my life to be aligned with yours? Adele Calhoun reminds us of the need to rest and to reflect, but also to develop, this is a quote, develop regular, repeated relationships, experiences, and practices that make space for God in the busyness of life, creating rhythms that honor both your limits and your longings, being in a place to hear from God and to move with his spirit, living in the freedom that comes from what she calls a God-accessible, obedience-centered life. So this third word for us, this third R, is reset. And I actually want to use Psalm 16 as a, a, as a uh, just a, a framework for this idea of reset, okay? So if you have your own Bible, you might want to turn to Psalm 16. Uh, I'm going to put the verses on the screen as well. kind of broke it down into three parts. First part is reset to the reality of God's provision. And this is from David. He says, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. The, the tone of this psalm is one of uh, what a commentator called settled joy. <laughs> I love it. It's not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of hardship. It is settled joy in the middle of it. And he says, in God, in you I take refuge. You are my refuge. You are my confidence. You are my trust. And if we're going to talk about worship, the deepest form of worship, the deepest form of honor that we could possibly give the God of the universe is our trust. Our trust, because our trust is attached to our obedience. And several times throughout the Old Testament, he says, I, I, I'm tired of your sacrifices, because they're not coming from a place of trust. They're just simply going through the motions of re religion. I'm tired of sacrifices. I'm tired of empty words. I want you. I want your trust. I want your obedience. I, I want your relationship. And David says, in you I take refuge. Preserve my life. Charles Spurgeon said, put this, these words on this verse. Preserve me from the world. Don't let me be carried away with its excitements. Suffer me not to be before its blandishments, nor to fear its frowns. 
Preserve me from the devil. Let him not tempt me above what I'm able to bear. Preserve me from myself. Keep me from growing envious, selfish, high-minded, proud, slothful. Preserve me from those evils into which I see others run. And preserve me from those evils into which I am myself apt to run. Keep me to you. Verse 2, he says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from me, I have no good thing. So God is our refuge, but then David says, you, I, I have complete reliance on you, God. David is speaking to his soul, and he does that a lot, which I think is kind of cool. When's the last time you spoke to your soul? <laughs> like this. Glasses, please. Ouch. Why, this is Psalm 43, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. David talks to his soul. And this is what he says. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. His soul is saying, God, I am completely reliant on you. I am setting my heart on you. And reliance undercuts our own self-sufficiency. John 15, apart from Christ, we can do nothing, right? We work so hard to accomplish. We work so hard to build. We work so hard to make a name, to make a reputation. And David comes to this conclusion that we have to come to, that apart from Jesus, nothing happens. Nothing happens. God, you are my refuge, but I also have this reliance on you. In verse 3, I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. He's talking about community. David says, I delight in your people, God. Despite all their failings and despite all of their embarrassments and their stupid things that, that we all do, there is a delight in the body of Christ. It's this road trip with friends. It's, we are created for communities centered around the gospel of Jesus. And so part of, of pressing reset <laughs> is looking at community. And so where, where have we been these last few weeks? Do you have people in your life that are a constant source of encouragement, that are a constant source of appointing you toward Jesus? People in your life who pray with you, people in your life that say, ah, oh, dude, what are you doing? You know, I mean, those kind of people. So, Pressing reset means that we acknowledge that God is our refuge and our reliance on him, but also our reliance on his people. In verse 4, those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. So re reset means running after the right God. 
It's discernment. What is true and what is good? And is my life aligned with what God says is true? Is my life and my words and my thoughts and the trajectory of my vocation, is everything around what God defines as true? Is my identity wrapped up in who he says I am or who others say I am? I want to run after the right God. I don't want to run after false gods. They had statues. We have our own. So reset to the reality of God's provision, that he provides refuge, and he provides presence, and he provides his people, and he provides actually his spirit to keep us going in the right direction. And then to reset to the reality of God's faithfulness. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. Where do we put our security? Where is my security? What do I attach to? Where is my confidence? Verse 6, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have delightful inheritance. Where is our contentment? Paul said, I've learned to be content whatever circumstances I'm in. From verse 1, we see that David's circumstances aren't all that great. You have been my refuge in a time of trouble. That our joy is not attached to, and our contentment is not attached to us getting our way and everything being smooth. Do we have a contentment in the midst of a culture that is filled with adrenaline and filled with restlessness and filled with short attention spans? Verse 7, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. There is security in God, there is contentment in God, but then there is our participation to be teachable. To be attentive in listening to his word. So part of pressing reset at this particular time in the fall is asking that question as well. What part does God's word play in my day to day? And not just going on version and looking at the verse of the day, but letting his word really penetrate our hearts and really shape our motives and our motivations and our actions, to let his word read us. Do we have a, do we have a plan? Do we have an intentionality with that that is not, that is not anchored in, uh, in duty? but in anticipation of the God who speaks and the God who reveals. Verse 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I've set the Lord before me. David is saying that 
as a decision. I, I have set the Lord before me. I, I am filling my peripheral with God. That he is my destination, that he is my rock, he is my anchor, that no matter what comes my way, I have my eyes fixed on him. What feels unhinged right now? What feels volatile in your life? Can we pray toward perseverance? Press pause for a couple minutes. Just to take that to the Lord. What's it mean for him to be your security? What's it mean for him to be your contentment? What's it mean to be teachable and persevere? Set to the reality of God's promises. Last three verses. Therefore, my heart is glad. He's talking about this is the this is the benefit. All right. Yeah. There's cost. There is there are cost to following Jesus. But here's the, here's the benefit. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You will not allow me to see corruption. My heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body will rest secure. Hmm. Can we pray that? Can we say those words? Let's say those words together. My heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. What a cool thing to be given. Can we... We're, we're not like, 
name it and claim it people necessarily, but if, if you know, Scripture offers this promise, we have this promise through God. And so let's just say that again. My heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Yeah. Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You make known to me the path of life. That is an awesome promise. Because I don't, I don't know if, if you're like everybody else on this planet, but everybody wants to know where am I supposed to be going, right? God says, through David, I will show you the path of life. Jesus said, I am the path of life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If you abide with me, and my words abide with you, <laughs> very, very much connected, that our own inner peace, our own inner joy is absolutely wrapped around the presence of Jesus in our life, but Jesus is going somewhere, and so it's not static that we are moving with him, and he will make known to me the path of life that extends beyond death into eternity. You will fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That our longings and our desires are not uh, automatically wrong. We still have to do some sorting and some vetting with the Lord in practicing uh, really taking our longings and our desires to Him. But he puts longings and desires in us. And so a redeemed version of that, a, a version of our longings and desires that is absolutely surrendered to his lordship, that is a good thing, right? And so with eternal pleasures, and you fill me with joy, that, that, that is a gift from God. It's a gift that has been screwed up by a fallen world. In fact, let me read this to you. Do you, you all know screw tape letters? You know the gist? C.S. Lewis wrote screw tape letters in, it is, uh, it, it's this senior demon writing to his nephew Wormwood about God and about Christians. And so everything is flipped around, right? Do you understand that? So here, here's what he says. He's talking about God creating pleasure. Like the foam on the seashore, out at sea, in his sea, there is pleasure and more pleasure. He makes no secret of it. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. <laughs> Eternal pleasures. Psalm 16. He says, ugh, I don't think he has the least inkling of that high and austere mystery. He's vulgar, Wormwood. He has a bourgeois mind. 
He has filled his world full of pleasures. There are things for humans to do all day long without his minding in the least. Sleeping, washing, eating, drinking, making love, playing, praying, working. Everything, listen to this, everything has to be twisted before it's any use of, to us. Remember, this is the, the demon talking, right? Everything that God created Sleeping, washing, eating, drinking, making love, playing, praying, working. Everything has to be twisted before it's any use to us. We fight under cruel disadvantages. Nothing is naturally on our side. <laughs> so part of playing a pressing reset is to coming back into adjustment with what God says is good including what he has created to bring us pleasure. Joy, peace, hope, life. Abiding with Jesus, who said this, I have come to give you life. And not just life, but abundant Or Peter said this in his letter, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Hmm. So, what's it mean to press reset? That abundant life only comes through Jesus and it only comes through his death, burial, and resurrection. That because he rose from the dead, he gives us life. Which really is a segue to our time of communion today. Here's a, here's a scene. Acts chapter 2. Early church. Holy Spirit has just come. The apostles run outside, they start preaching the gospel, and uh, Peter actually quotes Psalm 16. He says in Acts 2, 24, God raised Jesus from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said this about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. So David is talking about his own experience with God, but he is actually foreshadowing Jesus. David, whether he knew it or not, is, is actually prophetically talking about this Jesus who is coming to give us life. And so the most important part of resetting our lives is to simply reset our lives around Jesus around his crucifixion and death, his burial and resurrection, around the reality of who he is. 
There are all sorts of false realities and all sorts of false news and all sorts of false everything. The only true, the only true is Jesus. And so even as we take the bread and take the cup, we are aligning with what is absolutely true, absolutely good, absolute life. And so, Lord, in the midst of our busyness and in the midst of our uh, short attention spans and in the midst of our following after dreams and pleasures and task list. We want to come and confess that we have taken our eyes off of you very often. We want to repent and acknowledge that in our desire to name what is true for us, that we have detoured away from what you've said is true. And so thank you that in your grace you restore, that you redeem, that you press reset for us. And so we take communion today in celebration.